0: This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Faith on the Field Show.
1: Welcome to Faith on the Field Show, presented by International Justice Mission. I'm Rob Mahdi, without my beautiful wife, Remy, this week, as I have two special guests. It is great to be with you on all of our wonderful radio affiliates across the country. Coming up, New York Giants cornerback, Dory Jackson, and Caleb Carroll from IJM is here. First, before we go to Caleb, Remy and I are, in our small group, we're doing a 40-day prayer series, and I've been asked often about prayer. Sometimes it's just a simple question, like how to do it, what's the best way to go about praying. And the best advice I can give is prayer is conversation. It's not a ritual repeating the same words over and over. It doesn't have to be anything eloquent or impressive. Just talk openly to God. That's prayer. Finding Ruby is IJM's podcast series about the team's work in the Philippines. You've heard us talk about it throughout the past few episodes. And joining me now is Caleb Carroll. He is the Director of National Investigations and Law Enforcement Development for IJM Philippines and is featured repeatedly on the podcast series. I encourage listeners to check this out. Listen to the podcast, share it, tell people. You can go to IJM.org slash Ruby. Caleb, first of all, welcome. Thank you for there's a time difference. So thank you for taking time out of your early morning in the Philippines to join me. And I would love to hear about your work with IJM and what drew you to join this fight.
2: Yeah, thanks, Rob. So I joined IJM in 2019 as an internet crimes against children specialist. Uh, And that is our role that is directly embedded with Philippine law enforcement at the Philippine Internet Crimes Against Children Center to coach and mentor them do capacity building and training. So I did that for the first two years. And then last year was promoted to be the director for national investigations and law enforcement development, which still encompasses a lot of that coaching and mentoring, but also includes supervising and leading our team that's doing policy and advocacy on law enforcement issues. And I, I came from law enforcement in South Carolina. So I grew, was born and raised right outside of Clemson and was doing violence against women and children investigations there, specifically internet crimes against children when the job posting from IJM came in front of me. And I just felt strongly that I was called to leave what was really like a life of comfort to be a part of this fight. Uh, and that's that's because it's, it's important. I, I believe in... In a solemn calling to protect children. And I also think it's it's really important to recognize that that it's sexually motivated offenders from places like the US that are fueling this issue. Wow. And so I think we have like an even greater solemn obligation to be a part of the fight because of that.
1: How would you caution parents to be on guard, to look out for these online sexual predators?
2: We we know now that that especially this generation of children, social media and electronics is part of their life. Right. Like saying that we can just ignore it or or have them off. It is just it's not uh, it's not realistic based mm-hmm. on how kind of kids interact today. But what we can do as parents, what we've seen be the most effective is you have to have transparent discussions with children, age appropriate discussions there's some really great resources on that through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and and don't be afraid to kind of keep an eye on what your children are are doing and talk to them about it online and you know I recommend preventing certain applications until children are are mature enough to 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 be able to handle those um and I so I think that and and giving Giving children an avenue, giving young people an avenue to come forward when they're being exploited or somebody's contacted them that it's that it's abnormal to come and speak to you as a parent is is critically important. We see that the the power of open communication between parents and children being the greatest protector.
1: Cal, that's great advice, and I think it's welcome for for myself as a parent, my wife, and for any parent for all parents out there. Now, I wanna talk about Ruby's story because your work, all what IJM's doing, Ruby's story, it's heavy, right? And it, it's its easy for some people to ignore it or avoid it because they hope it goes away or someone else deals with it and, and they don't want to know that it, it's right there, it's, it's in our backyards, it's happening. But as someone who deals with this heaviness, Caleb, why, do you feel it is so important, so vital not to turn away?
2: That's, that's a great question. And, and I, think, I think it's hard for people to, to, to listen to this and to really embrace that this is an issue because it's so uncomfortable. And, and I'll admit, Rob, like when I started working in it, even though I had been a police officer for a very long time, it made me uncomfortable right? I remember the first time I saw a, a an internet crimes against children case and and saw the abuse material. Like I had a physical reaction. I was sick to my stomach. I was, I was ready to quit, but wow. thankfully, um, thankfully I pushed through. So I think, I think it boils down for me, it boils down to kind of two things. So it's important because I, I think that God wants us as a community of believers as and and even beyond that, just as as humans, we have a moral obligation to protect the world's children. Um, And and I think that's I think that's fundamentally important. And so uh, and the second thing is when you sit down and you think about it, we all have little influences within our sphere of control. Right. Like we have friends. Or maybe we're in a a position where we reach a global audience like you. but And and I think it's uncomfortable for us to get out of that space and talk about this. But the thing that motivates me is this. My discomfort is still way less painful than the abuse that these children are facing. And it's kind of like if if we're not going to lead the charge and share this message and, and do this work, again, within our own ways, like I'm not advocating people, everybody drop and move 8,000 miles away to the Philippines like I did. Mm-hmm. It, it can be as simple as sharing something with your friends, bringing this to their attention, bringing new people into the fight. But I think we owe it to these children around the world to, to get out of our place of of comfort because their discomfort and pain is so much more substantial.
1: That is so well said, because no matter, like you said, no matter our level of discomfort, uncomfortability, this talking about it, dealing with it, it's, it doesn't, I can't even fathom what these kids go through. I can't. And and that's what's drawn me and, and Remy to join this fight and be involved because we don't want one person, not one other child to ever have to go through something like this. Caleb, what is, what progress, what hope have you witnessed so far in the Philippines in your time there? And you've, you told me you've been there since 2019.
2: Yeah. So on, on the law enforcement development side, there, there still is a ton of work to do. I, I won't lie about that, but there is a, a, a great deal of hope. So the Philippine internet crimes against children's center, or that's a lot to say. So we affectionately call it the PICAC. Act. Um, since it's founding in February of 2019, has rescued more than 530 children, uh, conducted more than 180 rescue operations, and arrested more than 100 OSEC traffickers. And you see Philippine government organizations like the Interagency Council Against Trafficking and some of the prosecutors really owning this issue. And I, you know, I, I, I think that is just miraculous and it speaks to to their tenacity and their professionalism and commitment uh, and passion. I, I also think that there's a great sign. So I, I had a chance to meet with a couple of of the survivor leaders here in the Philippines. So we now have a generation of, of OSEC survivors who are now saying, we want our voice to be heard. We want to stop this for future children. And I had a chance to meet with two of them yesterday. And just the, the inspiration and the courage and their testimony, I mean, it, it gave me great hope that that these survivors, these, these children that we rescue with our government partners are on a path that they can be so healthy and so powerful and so empowered to to fight this. So uh, there are other signs, but like, like that gives me a ton of hope. Even though the work is really dark, and it's still it's still a problem, uh, but that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, like you said, the work
1: the work is dark, but it needs to be done. And I admire and appreciate you for what you're doing and uh, what IJM has been able to do. As you look a few years from now, Caleb, what will success look like to you?
2: I that's that's a really great question. So I, I think. Um, the end goal is to, to end the online sexual exploitation of children in the Philippines. I, I don't know what that looks like, but if you look back to IJM's previous project in the Philippines, um, with the, the sex trafficking of children in bars and brothels, you saw, you know, 70 to 80%, depending on the city that you looked at reductions in prevalence or, or reductions in ability of children to be offered online. And i I think we can get there with the online sexual exploitation of children, too. I think if we can if we can make it where criminals are afraid to sell this content, right? That we can reduce relative impunity, um, then then we can get there. We can reduce prevalence that way. and then if if the technology and the financial sectors come along, and increase their investment in detection and deterrence on their platforms. There really is there really is a possibility we could end the online sexual exploitation of children. But it will take kind of all hands on deck approach, right? It's going to take a whole of society approach um, for us to do that. And and I I do believe we can get there.
1: I do too. Uh, I believe we can get there. I believe we will get there. And uh, I believe uh, God's hand is in this, and He's with you throughout this journey. And again, this podcast series is called Finding Ruby. It's about IJM's work in the Philippines. Caleb, I appreciate you taking some time to share about it with me. Um, everyone can check it out at IJM.org slash Ruby. Uh, go to IJM.org for, you can just read more, hear more. We've talked about the work that IJM's been doing for almost two years now, and I can't say enough. So, Caleb, thank you so much for taking some time to share a little bit about what's happening in the Philippines.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Rob. It's an honor to be here.
1: Up next, you'll hear from Adori Jackson. You're listening to Faith on the Field show, presented by International Justice Mission. Hey, this is Rob Madi. Online sexual exploitation of children is a hidden crime, and it's time we expose it. A new immersive podcast tells the story of Ruby, who was trafficked into this crime when she was 16 years old. The podcast takes the listener through Ruby's journey and what's being done to fight this terrible crime. Check it out at IJM.org slash Ruby.
3: Hi, this is Remy Mahdi, co-host of Faith on a Field show. I am so excited to be a part of an amazing team at Weikert Realtors exclusive properties in Tampa and the surrounding areas. Real estate has been a passion of mine for several years. I love beautiful homes. I love beach homes. I love new homes. I just love helping you buy your dream home or sell the one you're in. So if you are already in this beautiful sunshine state or if you want to move to fabulous Florida, I'm your girl. Call me at 717-503-4924 or email me at remymadi at gmail.com. That's R-E-M-Y-M-A-A-D-D-I at gmail.com. Since
1: 1930, the Heritage family has proudly served the communities of South Jersey. From humble roots, Heritage's dairy stores now operates 33 convenient locations. Their desire is to become your convenience store of choice, not just because of their welcoming atmosphere but because of their fresh quality products heritage's milk is still the sweetest coffee's hot and fresh and heritage's full-service delis offer the best local ingredients prepared and sliced on-site far exceeding the competition heritage's dairy stores it's not just our name it's
4: our heritage today over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do,
0: they will be free. This is Derek Henry, and you listen to Faith on the Field Show.
1: Welcome back to Faith on the Field Show presented by International Justice Mission. I'm Rob Mahdi with Remy. If you're listening to us for the first time, you can go to faithonthefieldshow.com. Find every episode since we launched in 2017. We've had an awesome lineup of guests. You can listen anytime at your convenience on any of the podcast platforms. You'll hear the full interviews on there. Be sure also to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Faith on a Field and tell a friend or two about the show. I want to take a minute to thank all of our wonderful sponsors, International Justice Mission and Heritage's Dairy Stores. If you would like to be a sponsor for our show and help our ministry grow, please reach out to us at faithonafieldshow.com. Adoree Jackson was a 2017 first-round pick by Tennessee, now in his second season with the New York Giants. I really enjoyed this conversation with Adori. Appreciate you spending some time with me. Your team, your Giants, you're off to a 6-1 start. You already got more wins than you did uh, last season. What's been the biggest difference for this team?
0: Uh, I think for us, I think we just bought into the process, understanding when we got a whole new staff coming in early uh, for the OTA process. Um, and everybody just buying in and being selfless um, and trying to play for one another and just holding each other accountable. So I've um, got to give a lot of credit you know, to the Lord for watching over us. And, and then also um, just to be able to, just go out there and compete and have fun with, with my brothers and we plan for each other, man. It's just it's just a, a wonderful feeling.
1: Tell me about that coaching staff. You get a whole new coaching staff. Brian Dable comes in there. And what has he brought to this team? He had some success, obviously, as an offensive coordinator in Buffalo. There's a winning attitude there. And he comes in. I see him man, on the on the sidelines, all fired up at times. He's just got this different kind of energy.
0: Uh, I think what he brings is just his own swagger. Like you said, the energy um, that he's had, you know, been with successful programs and and, and organizations as well, um, five Super Bowls. Uh, so a guy that, that doesn't just, you know, know the game from coaching, but actually played the game. Um, so that's a great feeling, you know, to have. And a guy that's going to talk trash with us, and you know, and, and get after us when need be. So it's just cool to have a coach like that to be able to joke with us to be able to be serious with us and at the same time understanding that um, he's done it before. He knows how we're feeling and hasn't a lot of experience with it. So I think that's what he brings. And then just the staff that he brought along with him, uh, I just felt like he did a great job with picking everybody up.
1: He brings in Wake Martindale as a defensive coordinator who is another guy who's had success at other stops along the way in the NFL. He was in Baltimore most recently. How has the defense changed schematically?
0: Uh, I think for us, just gravitating towards Wink and what he wants to do and understand that we know his resume and the things that he has done. You know, in the past, as you said, Baltimore being his last recent stop, having number one defenses before. And just to be able to um, coach the game the way he does, to be able to have those, like, like Dave, have that experience and have that knowledge. You know, having great players uh, that he has coached and be able to give him knowledge and to be able to bounce it back to us, man. I just feel like uh, Wink, man, just, you know, happy, you know, that he's here with us and finally get to see, you know, his defense unfold and actually just being able to, you know, every time you want to be a top defense, you get to see, you know, Baltimore's Wink and the things he's done and now to actually be able to play in it, man. It's kind of, it's kind of amazing.
1: Adora, you've been in big games before, you have playoff experience. How much can you draw on that and, and maybe share with your younger teammates who may not have gone through that and, and let them know what to expect because it's only going to get harder from here on out?
0: Uh, I would say, you know, from just our experience so far, you know, understand that these games are – it's tough to win games in this league. You know, Dave says that all the time. It's just tough to win games. And um, for us to be able to try to get these wins that we're getting now, you know, those tough, hard wins, understanding that that's how the playoffs – uh, really going to be, I know, but you know that's more foresight, hindsight for us. I mean, right now it's just to focus and get one one win at a time, and and just pick it up and get one and oh, You know, just coming in each day knowing that even though we did win the game, it's a lot to improve on, a lot to do better, and a lot to be better at. And for us, just trying to focus on one game at a time, and I think that's the mentality to have.
1: Was there a game, a win, maybe Green Bay beating the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, that kind of solidified? in your mind, the t- your teammates' mind, that you guys are, you're no fluke, you're for real, that this is a team that could be a contender this season?
0: Uh, I think the win that I, I, I'm most proud of, and I think the team as well, is that first one that we got being down 13-0 um, in Tennessee, and to be able to fight fight back and be resilient, um, just to keep fighting, keep gnawing, keep uh, grinding, whatever may be the case, uh, to get that win. I uh, understand that, you know, guys have a lot of heart. Guys love to compete. And it goes back to, you know, coming into OTAs and buying in, trusting the process and believing in your brothers, doing your job, knowing that your brother's going to do his job. Um, so I think it just unfolds from the things that we've been doing since April and just having to pay off, you know, week one is for, for us. Um, just trying to keep, like I said, keep building, keep getting better, you know, trying to get one to know each week.
1: You look at this division in the NFC East a couple of years ago, they sent a losing team to the playoffs. And now you got the Eagles undefeated. Uh, you guys are 6 and 1 Dallas is 5 and 2 even Washington they're 3 and 4 they're not they're just under 500 how tough is this division when you look at it and as you look around the landscape of the NFC how do you feel about your team's chances
0: i feel like this division always been tough i mean it's the division that i want to say with the most championships um, i would say one of the most sought after divisions to, to be in. So I feel like regardless of what the records were last year in the past, or whatever the, the case may be, I feel like this division is always a tough one to play in. And then it's a division game. So it's, it's always going to be tough playing against your division opponent. So uh, for us, uh, just, just trying to keep battling, uh, keep grinding, keep doing the little things necessary. And so for when the time comes to go out there, compete, play hard, and try to go on and on.
1: Dory, October is a, a month where the NFL highlights cancer awareness with their a crucial catch campaign, and I know it's something that's personal to you with what your mom went through uh, as a cancer survivor. My mom is a two-time breast cancer survivor. We just lost my dad a couple of months ago to lung cancer, so it's really important to me as well. Just tell me a little bit about your experience and and what the NFL is doing and how important that is.
0: Uh, yeah, personally, say so to say my condolences, you know, to you. Uh... Thank your, you, man. your loss, uh, and I think it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, I remember at one point it was just, you know, breast cancer awareness, but it's so many different, like you said, cancers out there. So the crucial catch being able to touch on different aspects and have everyone feel included because um, everybody's dealing with something different. You never know um, what a teammate and his family's going through just because you're going through something. There's a lot of people in this league that are probably battling and de- dealing with the same thing. So I just think it's great to be able to shed light. Um, to be able to shed awareness on the different cancers that are out there and to uh, give hope to those and know that there are people, you know, like us who are playing and is dealing with the same thing so they can see us more as humans and not just people that just go out there and play football. So um, I, I think it's great for what the NFL does. And um you know, just excited. I remember when my mom I was in Tennessee they let her do the uh during the breast cancer month uh, the the twelfth uh Titan and she get the do the swore so um so just having that memory and you know be able to see my mom out there and, and filled with joy and uh just to have her, you know, um, it's it's just a blessing. So I'm just, you know, kudos to the NFL for making everyone aware and trying to make everyone included as well.
1: Well, man, that's great that they are doing that. And I think it's important for people like myself, people like you to let everyone out there know that what the NFL does is, is kind of, help you uh, give you resources tell you to go out there and and, and get ahead of it right there's more cancers more people uh, find out if it's in the early stages it's it's more beatable more able to be overcome so uh, what your mom went through when I look at my mother like to me she's a hero you know people look at you guys right they look around in the NFL and they see the, the heroes doing these things on the field those are those are the real everyday heroes don't you feel that way
0: of course, uh, you know, people that are always selfless. Um, that's really a true definition of a hero to me. Someone that's selfless and, and put others before themselves. And, you uh, know, if your mom's anything like mine, it's just knowing that uh, she'll do her all for everybody else and then just worry about herself on the back end. So, um, yeah, those are really the true heroes.
1: Dory, last thing for you. Uh, earlier, you, you thanked the Lord. And, and as a man of faith, that's important to me. How much has 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 your faith and, and the Lord really kind of motivated you, been there and it, it pushed you throughout your journey?
0: Uh, I feel like he's, he's pushed me a lot, you know, growing up, going to a Christian uh, church and then going to Catholic school. Um, I, I just feel like, uh, man, just the things that he's you know, put me through and brought me through, never letting my faith waver, Um, never letting me uh stray away. You know, it's just they saying in, in the Bible, you know, as my parents did, raise a child up, you know, as as he should. And as he gets older, he would never stray away. And, you know, as I have gotten older and obviously, you know, we play on Sundays. You don't get to go to as much church as back in the day when you were kids. But um, to understand those understand the, the teachings, you know, that they told me, that the, the Bible's taught me or school has taught me or, or church. Wherever it may be, and just knowing that, um, you know, before every game, you know, read Psalm 23, and even going back to when my mom, you know, was diagnosed, she said that she was, you know, frustrated at one point, but at the end of the day, she had prayed and, and said, you know, Lord, I know you didn't, you know, put this on me, that I, I couldn't beat it or battle or get through it. And just her having that faith, you know, from the outside, like I'm not knowing anything, whatever it may be, you just hear cancer, you think it's the worst of the worst, you know, but her having that muster seed of faith, and knowing that she would get through and dig get through, man, um, I mean, that goes to a test of you know, my faith right there and my belief and understanding that, you know, the Lord was just giving us all, you know, a second chance to, you know, appreciate the life that we have. Never have we ever took it for granted, but to be able to appreciate it a little bit more and understanding that, you know, he is real.
1: Well, man, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I thank you for your time. I wish you a ton of blessings and uh, pass that along to your mother for me as well.
0: I will. You do the same thing.
1: That's it for this week. Thank you to Dory Jackson and Caleb Carroll. Thank you to Doug, Pastor Scott, and everyone on our team. Thank you for listening to Faith on the Field show presented by International Justice Mission. For Remy, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing. Hi, this is Rob Motti. I'm listening to a powerful podcast about Ruby, a girl from the Philippines who was trafficked into slavery when she was 16 years old. The podcast takes you deep into Ruby's story, not only how she was tricked, but also how she was rescued and is now advocating for others trapped in this form of slavery. Check it out at IJM.org Ruby. You'll be blown away by Ruby's resilience and the
4: incredible work of those who rescued her. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free.
3: Hi, this is Remy Mahdi, co-host of Faith on a Field show. I am so excited to be a part of an amazing team at Weikert Realtors exclusive properties in Tampa and the surrounding areas. Real estate has been a passion of mine for several years. I love beautiful homes, I love beach homes, I love new homes, I just love helping you buy your dream home or sell the one you're in. So if you are already in this beautiful sunshine state, or if you want to move to fabulous Florida, I'm your girl. Call me at 717-503-4924 or email me at remymadi at gmail.com. That's R-E-M-Y-M-A-A-D-D-I at gmail.com.